now to join me up here. And I have asked Sarah if I could interview her this morning. Um, come on up. We're going to just make space for both of us up here. Um, by way of introducing yourself just a bit to this community, would you tell us a little bit about your journey toward Christian Peacemaker Teams and maybe also just sort of the brief description of Christian Peacemaker Teams? I think many in this room are familiar with that organization, but some may not be. No problem. So um, I grew up in a household and in a family and a community that valued service um, and in all of its different forms, um, helping neighbors, helping each other and doing service in the community. And that continued even as I went to college and beyond. And my first job out of um, college was being the service coordinator for an interfaith organization. Um, we did a lot of work with the homeless and um, poverty education and things such as that. But my passion had always been international work. My, I have a degree in international studies, um, and I'd always wanted to do take that service work into um, the international arena. And so um, while I was working... Um, at the service job, I met folks that were involved in the Latin America Solidarity uh, Movement uh, in Cleveland, where I'm from. And all of a sudden, a position opened up at this organization. Um, I was one of their co-directors of the organization. Um, and it, for me, it was a dream job. It was getting into that international realm um, and getting back to the things that I love. So I took the position. And while at this organization called the Interreligious Task Force on Central America, um, I began to learn uh, the difference between service and advocacy and solidarity and what all of those things meant. Um, and it really opened my eyes and really changed my life um, in wanting to not just do service work, but really do advocacy and do solidarity and actually walk with people as they struggle um, and, and fight for their freedoms. Um, and so I worked there for about six years, um, but really felt called to be on the ground, to be with communities, to be with people. And it's through that network of the Latin America Solidarity folks that they had connections to Christian peacemaker teams, um, and so that I heard about it and I actually had some friends that had gone um, and worked with Christian Peacemaker Teams. So I um, finally discerned the call to, to join Christian Peacemaker Teams as a full-time worker um, and spent a year and a half on the ground working in Colombia, accompanying communities and organizations that were fighting for their land. They were being violently attacked and trying to have their land stolen. And so I had the privilege to, to walk alongside them in that journey. Um, and am now the training coordinator at Christian Peacemaker Teams. Um, and Christian Peacemaker Teams is an organization um, that was founded 30 years ago. And what we do is what we call solidarity accompaniment work. And so what that means is that we go into situations where there is violence occurring um, and folks have invited us to come in. We only go where we're invited to go. And we walk side by side with folks that are being harassed, that are being killed, that um, are being threatened um, for various reasons. But we walk with them and we fight with them and we pray with them. Um, and we do that work together, um, just as Jesus walked with his followers um, through all of their many trials. That's, that's part of what we do, and um, we do that all through um, the loving commitment of nonviolence and using that as a way to transform the world into a more peaceful place. Thank you.
The disciples in the story today are confounded that Jesus would return to Judea, where he has faced violent opposition. So we heard that today. They said, why would you go to Judea? The last time you were there, they were trying to stone you. So he puts himself again in harm's way. And next week is the start of Holy Week. We'll start with Palm Sunday next Sunday, and then take, that takes us through all the Holy Week stories, which will, in fact, result in the death of Jesus. When I think about CPTers also going in eyes wide open to some of the world's most violent places um, and putting themselves potentially in harm's way, or not even potentially, putting themselves in harm's way, and Frankly, I'm glad I'm not the one who's doing the preaching today. (laughs) Um, Just this week, my friend MJ Sharp's body was found in the Democratic Republic of Congo, as many in this room know, along with his uh, Swedish companion and a Congolese interpreter. He was killed because of his peacemaking work among militia groups. So this isn't just theory. It's not just a story in the Bible, but the threat that's faced by active peacemakers is real. So I wonder if you could reflect just a bit on your own personal commitment to walking into harm's way, to getting in the way, and also um, that will probably be linked a little bit to CPT's understanding of that. Yeah, so from a personal perspective, as I, as I referenced earlier, I've always felt that my call has been to be on the ground um, in solidarity with folks that are fighting for their rights, that are fighting for their lives. Um, And so for me, that calling of Jesus to be in solidarity with one another um, can take a lot of forms, but for me it was very clear that that this was about an international setting and it was about actually going and being among other folks that um, were being violated and were being abused. Um, And so to be able to, to do that work is... A lot of folks think that we're crazy, um, including my parents. <laughs> they just don't understand. But, um, but there's something about walking alongside our brothers and sisters, um, that simply having that presence um, and doing that work, I feel, is what we're called to. And, and the specific calling for each one of us is very different, um, to walk alongside one another Um, Some of us are called to go to areas where there is violence um, and where we would be in danger, but it all pales in comparison, those dangers pale in comparison to the privilege of living out the calling of Jesus Christ to love um, our brothers and sisters and to be with them, Um, and it's an amazing privilege to do that work. Um, In terms of CPT, So CPT kind of switched a number of years ago their philosophy from getting in the way. You know, you may have seen pictures of CPTers standing in front of tanks in Palestine and all of that kind of stuff to um, one of building relationships. And we're really focusing much more on those relationships now um, as opposed to, like, physically intervening. But nonetheless, there's still absolutely... um, Danger, um, but we always have to go back to our commitment and our calling that each one of us feels, um, and that we feel as an organization that um, that there are so many people willing to die for their freedoms and for their rights and for their land, um, and even going so far as to take up violent arms 
Um, but it is our calling to um, struggle and to fight that fight through nonviolent means. And we must be willing to give of our lives um, if we really believe what we believe in. Um, and so it's a very difficult decision and a very personal decision. But that's what brings those of us that are part of CPT together is um, that commitment. Thank you. Um, Another thing that happens in this story in the Gospel of John is that Jesus prays aloud and he very explicitly says in that prayer, I'm saying this so that other people will overhear me. (laughs) Um, And so as I reflect on that moment of Jesus choosing to speak just so that he can be overheard, um, I think about um, our Mennonite tradition of being seen often as the quiet in the land. And that is something that has been both, I think, a gift of our tradition and has also at times been an obstacle in our tradition. Many things have their shadow side. And so um, when I think about CPT's work in the world, um, there's clearly a commitment to nonviolence, um, but y'all aren't quiet. Uh, So would you reflect a little bit on those two things in relationship with one another? What is, what is the voice of following in the way of Jesus, of, um, uh, the nonviolent path of Jesus embracing? Well, I think there's two, there's two distinctions to be made. First of all, between being quiet and being silent. Mm. Um, and that, Being quiet is one thing, and there's a time and a place for being quiet and having solitude and being contemplative and being humble, Mm -hmm. Um, and and that 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 is a wonderful thing and that we are called to do that. But being silent um, when people are suffering Mm -hmm. um, is not the same as being quiet in terms of humility and contemplativeness. when we see others that are suffering, it is our responsibility and it is our calling to speak out and to not be quiet. Jesus was never quiet in the midst of suffering. He was quiet when he prayed. He was quiet when he was with his friends, when he was resting, and when he might be teaching. But when he spoke out against violence and oppression, he was loud and he made a big stink everywhere he went. (laughs) And so we follow in those footsteps that when it comes to um, being in solidarity with our brothers and sisters, we must speak out. We must raise up our voices. Um, And as we learned in our training yesterday, I think a big part of not only raising our own voices um, is part of the struggle, but when we raise our voices, it helps others to raise their voices, right? That we don't do this alone. We don't, we do this all in community. And so it's not about one person speaking out. It's about speaking out as a community. And that gives us courage. Not only does it give us courage, but it gives those who are facing violence and oppression courage as well to know that they are not alone. And so it it is our absolute spiritual calling to speak up and to speak out um, whenever and wherever we can. Thank you. I'm also thinking of that image of Jesus standing at the um, opening of the tomb and calling Lazarus out. Um, Thank you, Jonathan, for giving us that big, loud (laughs) voice um, so that we could actually see that and feel it a little bit, shouting at Lazarus to come out, to be unbound and liberated, for life to emerge from the place of death. Um, 
And metaphorically, it links for me um, uh, with the water protectors at Standing Rock who are calling for life in a place of would-be death. And um, at pastor's meeting this week, we were talking about how just this week the tunnel is now complete, the pipeline is now complete, there's oil running through it, it's going to be fully functional soon, if not already. Um, And there are some water protectors who understand the resistance then to have been a failure, um, because the oil is now flowing. There are others who are challenging our conceptions of what is a success and what is a failure, because now we all know that water is life, and we, we maybe didn't know that in quite the same way prior to this resistance. So anyway, I'm thinking about CPT. Um, over many years now, three decades and counting, um, going into some of the most violent and death-filled places in the world and calling out life. So calling out liberation from bondage and from death. And sometimes Lazarus remains stubbornly in the tomb. (laughs) Right? And so... What do you do individually and communally to sustain hope in the midst of standing standing at the, the opening to the tomb and calling out life when, <laughs> when it's stubborn and doesn't want to come out? We live in such a violent world um, and just in a world of death that surrounds us all the time in every way, shape and form and everything we do. And... And standing up and calling out life from beneath all of those layers of death is really exhausting. <laughs> I think we can all attest to that, that sometimes just, just calling out the life within us to be able to live um, and embrace that life is really exhausting. Um, and so self-care and taking care of ourselves becomes a really important practice and not just a practice um, that is for those who have the time or um, the the resources but it's a practice that we all have to do and it's a practice that's a spiritual practice that we're obliged to do and it's a practice that that Jesus engaged in you know he took time to go um, and replenish his soul because that fight to call life from um, the midst of death is exhausting and so I think we really have to honor um, that part of the journey that not only is the journey of calling out life and speaking up and standing out and acting sacred and holy and to be admired, but also to find those times to be quiet and to do self-care and to replenish that hope and nurture that life within us is just as sacred and just as important um, as speaking out. Um, What about CPT? Oh, and so for CPT, um, we... It's really important that for us, it's about relationships. We're not just out in the world to just stop violence. Um, that's, that, that doesn't bring life. All that does is stop creating more death. That for us, it's really about finding life and embracing life um, with our brothers and sisters in these parts of the world that we work and creating space for that life. Um, pushing back death and pushing back violence and creating sacred space um, that's for life. And that only comes in community, that we have to do this work together and be with one another, um, and that's where we get our strength from. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you um, for bearing witness to um, the companionship that CPT embraces as a model 
for being in the world, solidarity, walking alongside with. Um, and thanks for walking with us this weekend. Thanks for having me mm-hmm. here. It's been great. Yep. <laughs> um, it's been a hard week for me and for many of us. And this, um, this story of Jesus weeping um, at loss and at sorrow uh, has been a comforting one. Um, as we prepare to um, have some time for silent reflection again, I wanted to share with you a poem by, a, a brief poem by Jean Jansen um, this week that I think connects with what some of Sarah has said to us and also our story from John. This is called The Blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Making peace requires action sometimes crossing the street when the light is red, swimming upstream, getting bruised, maybe dying. And Jesus wept with us. For this time of silence, I want to again reiterate that the silence we seek to enter into as a church community is not the absence of all sounds, but is in fact warmly welcoming of fidgety toddlers and restless adults alike. All the sounds that we make are welcome in this quiet, Um, but in this quiet Seek to quiet some of the noise in your mind if you're able to. If you're not, Pete invited us last week in our congregational meeting to just welcome the noisy guests of our mind. (laughs) Name them and allow them to sit down at the table. They don't get to uh, chair the meeting this morning, but they can be present at the meeting. Um, And just ponder, what is the word that you heard this morning that helps you to walk in the nonviolent, in the active peacemaking way of Jesus. What is the word perhaps that you needed to hear that you didn't hear? We will enter this quiet, this fidgety, noisy quiet with one another um, for three minutes. <laughs> 